podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday. It's not just any Thursday. It's April 1st. It is Chris Beard Day. For Texas and Texas Tech, today is a huge, huge day. Today, the one thing we do know is that Chris Beard's buyout at Texas Tech will drop from $5 million to $4 million if... Chris Beard decides to move from the Big 12 team he is currently at, Texas Tech, to another Big 12 team, specifically in this case, the University of Texas. Now, we've talked about this already. I didn't think it's a move he's going to make, but I'm happy to admit if I'm wrong. If you want to old takes exposed to me here in a week or so, that's cool. If I've been wrong before, I'll be wrong again. It's not a big deal. And I'm, I'm, I'm less confident in my belief that he is for sure sticking around. We've seen multiple reports, including from our good friends at Viva the Matadors, that uh, that the University of Texas, Chris Del Conte, Texas AD, is expected to meet with Chris Beard today, Thursday, April 1st, the day that, the con- that his buyout drops. Uh, according to Viva the Matadors, there's three things in particular that Beard is wants to know. Number one, will he get the freedom that he has in Lubbock? Now, this is a vague... Thing. Freedom can be a lot of things, but let's be honest. In Lubbock, he runs that show. No one gets in his way. There's not boosters coming and and knocking down his door with lots of opinions and thoughts, and you need to do this with these players and run this style or this system. Look, we know the problems that the University of Texas football program has had with boosters feeling like they should have a say because they spend a lot of money. That is not going to fly if you want to bring in Chris Beard. It's just not. And if they, if Chris Gale Conti cannot promise that, I could see that being a, a deal breaker. Number two, he wants more information on the new arena practice facility and, and usage. Uh, the Moody Center is the new basketball arena that Texas is having built, or is being built for Texas. Texas will not own it. We other things, school events, concerts, things of the nature. Now, Texas is building a $60 million facility where the Cooley Pavilion is. We'll have space, training space for men's and women's basketball. Um, so, in theory, Texas is going to have facilities that Texas Tech just does not. Um, number three is the, is the one I'm really interested in, besides the freedom. Number three is, will Texas play Chris Beard more than Steve Sarkeesian, the new head coach the big, of the Texas football program, who is set to make $5.2 million this year. Chris Beard currently makes, or is set to make a little over $5 million this year as part of a six-year, $27.4 million contract extension that he got after just two years in Lubbock. If Texas is going to get Chris Beard to come to Texas, they're going to have to pay him more than he makes at Texas Tech. And it sounds like more than he makes than, than Steve Sarkeesian makes. And look, Texas may, football may make all the money, or the majority of it, but Chris Beard's resume currently is better than Steve Sarkeesian's. As a head coach. And if you want it, Texas, you got to pay for it. you got the money to do so, but you got to pay for it. Will Crystal Conte and Texas be willing to pay their men's basketball coach north of $5.2 million? 
And honestly, you're probably going to have to, if I'm Beard, I'm saying, if you give Stark a raise, you better give me one too. Is it, is it going to be weird if Texas men's basketball coach is the highest paid coach at the University of Texas? I don't know. It's a big day for Texas Tech. I don't, I don't think any Texas Tech fan is sitting just overly confident. And if they are, I would enjoy the Kool-Aid you are drinking because it sounds delicious and refreshing. I do love that uh, there are businesses in Lubbock doing what businesses always do when a head coach might be leaving. See restaurants all over the place tweeting about or Facebooking about, you know, hey, Free, free meals for life. Come on in. You'll, you'll never pay for a single meal. Uh, my favorite one is the one that's currently uh, from a gastroenterology. Dr. Islam is willing to join the bribery, as he says on Twitter, and offer free hemorrhoid banding for life. Uh, if that doesn't get him to keep his butt in Lubbock, I don't, I don't know what will. Free hemorrhoid banding. Hoo-hoo. It tingles. Um, it's a big day for Texas. It's a big day for Texas Tech. And look, I... I I would be shocked if we know an answer to what's going on at the end of today, Thursday. Uh, I'd be shocked if we knew it was going on by the end of day, Friday. But we could. We could know by Friday. Um, feels more like a think about it over the weekend kind of thing. And hear a decision Monday, Tuesday. I, I do think if Beard is going to be the next head coach at the University of Texas, there's a press conference fund no later than Tuesday of next week. Which is, that, that, that's how this is going to roll. So... Interesting day. Interesting day. Uh, we'll keep following that very, very closely. We'll have more on that on our next show on Monday. We're back to normal schedule. Monday mornings at 6 a.m. and Thursdays at 6 a.m. We do have guests today. Two really good guests. Very excited to have Daniel Alexander, our pro picker, back on the show. We're making picks for the Final Four and the National Championship game. Yes, how could we make picks for a National Championship game when we don't even know who the teams are because Circus Sports has put out the lines for each of the four potential matchups. So we're going to talk Baylor-Houston, we're going to talk Gonzaga-UCLA, and yes, we're going to talk Gonzaga-Baylor in the national championship game because I think we all know that's probably what we're going to get. Then we are joined by Keith Patrick, the host of the Dinger Derby podcast part of Red Raider Dugout. This is Texas Tech Baseball. They're good, folks. And we're in baseball, college baseball season. We're going to talk college baseball on this podcast throughout the college baseball season. We will talk college softball as well, Big 12 specifically, uh, as the season continues. We're going to find guests for softball and guests for baseball because I like to talk about it and it's fun. I'm not great at talking about it, but that's why I bring on people far smarter than myself to do so. So talking some Texas Tech, Red Raider baseball, get his thoughts. This, this podcast is great. You're really going to enjoy Keith. I really do think you will. He does a really great job talking about Texas Tech, following Big 12 baseball. So we're going to talk about Texas Tech, talk about some of the other teams in the conference as well, Texas, TCU, OSU, uh, West Virginia. So stick around for both those interviews. Before we get to that, uh, a little housekeeping. I've asked you for for ratings and reviews, especially for those of you who listen to the show on iTunes. I want to say thank you to Spicy Wings, who left us a new rating. Look, it's four stars. I'll take it. And a review. Pretty all right. (laughs) That feels fairly accurate. Uh, it's a fun podcast that does a good job of discussing all 10 programs with nuance, unlike a lot of big network pods that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. Thank you, Spicy Wings. Thank you. I mean, I mean that. Thank you. That is what we try to do. Uh, my biggest bone of contention is Phillips Audio. That's me. I've listened to the pod with ear pods, uh, over-the-ear headphones, and through my card's Bluetooth radio, and sometimes Phillips Audio voice will get solo or so soft that I can't hear what he's saying without cranking the volume, even though I can hear Andy and Jamie perfectly fine. Other than that, it's pretty all right. It's a valid point. 
It's something we're going to be working on here, uh, and it's good to know because now I can try and make an adjustment for that. I will do my best to get the audio fixed for you. Cool? Uh, so, Spicy Wings, thank you very much. If you enjoy the podcast and wouldn't mind, do us a favor, especially on iTunes. Leave us a rating. Five stars would be great. Four is acceptable. Uh, leave us a review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, if you have any suggestions for the show, uh, and I will I'll read that out here. I'm, I'm proud to have reviews. Even if you want to leave me a five-star rating with a, a mean review, that's fine. Just leave us five stars or four. We'll take both. Right, do us a favor. Follow us on Twitter at 1012podcast. T in the number 12, the word podcast. Follow us on Instagram at 1012pod. We post exclusive content there. We're going to try and get uh, try and get some, some lives going again soon, hopefully. Back on Wednesdays, maybe Tuesdays, Thursdays. I don't know yet. We'll figure it out. Uh, with all that said, two great guests coming up right now, so let's get to them. If you're like me and you can't start your day without a cup of coffee, or two or three or four, make sure it's a good one. Start your day with a cup of Lazy Fair Coffee. Ethically sourced beans from around the world roasted right in the heart of Big 12 country in DFW. Lazy Fair Coffee is the official sponsor of the 1012 Podcast Bracket Pool. Really appreciate them helping us out. And they have donated a few bags of their delicious coffee for our little uh, our bracket challenge. You can still get a great deal on a great bag of beans for yourself. Go to LazyFairCoffee.com. L-A-Z-Y-F-A-I-R Coffee. Use the promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, at checkout. Get 10% off of your order. There are five great bags to choose from. Cafe Cubano, Good Morning Vietnam, Tanzanian Delight, Cafe New Guinea, and the Honduran Sunrise. Whatever you like, whatever style of coffee, whatever flavor you like, you're going to find something for you here. So go to Lazy Fair, grab a bag, grab two, check out the other products that they have as well. Use the promo code 1012, get 10% off your order, and be enjoying a really good cup of coffee to start your morning right away. With college basketball season essentially wrapping up, uh, we got a few more games left, obviously. But we are deep in college baseball season, and, and yes, we're talking college baseball in this podcast, folks. I mean, it's it's going to happen, especially for the Big 12, as good as the Big 12 is. And some of the best teams at the top are definitely teams we want to talk about, which is why I'm very excited to welcome a first-time guest, Keith Patrick, of the Dinger Derby podcast, part of the Red Raider Dugout Network. Just Red Raider Dugout? I'm not sure how it... I'm I'm... I'm already flubbing with it doesn't matter keith welcome to the 1012 man <laughs> hey thanks for having me on man i'm excited to be here first off let me just say um i do really enjoy your show like i it's there's not a lot of the big 12 team specific baseball coverage uh, and you guys do a really really good job both there at the red raider dugout and with your show the dinger derby i appreciate it man um <laughs> there's probably not a lot of like single team baseball coverage across the country but you know, we're crazy in Lubbock and, uh, I got excited a few years ago, actually I got fed up is what it was and, uh, tired of not being able to hear anything about tech on national coverage. And so I thought, I thought, Hey, I'm, I'm going to do my own podcast. And then, um, I ran into a guy named Randy Rosetta. He covered LSU baseball for 15 years. He's like a real deal professional journalist. And so he moved back to <laughs> Lubbock and his daughter was going to college and, uh, had the idea of kind of teaming up and starting this thing. He covers prep sports in our area and wanted to cover tech baseball. He kind of saw some things happening there. And so I get to learn from, you know, truly a great journalist and then uh, get to cover the team, you know, kind of it, he legitimized us, you know, and the, the website's been a ton of fun 
uh, lots of great feedback. I really appreciate you having me on and appreciate the kind words. Absolutely. So for all the Texas Tech fans, I know I have a few. Dinger Derby podcast. We'll mention that again coming up. All right. So Keith, let's just let's just dive right in and talk a little Texas Tech. Sure. Um, after an zero and three start against three really good SEC teams in Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Old Miss. Um, the Red Raiders have been on a roll. They're 19-1. and Only loss was the first game of the three-game series against Oklahoma State, a series they won, but they, they dropped the opener against OSU. I've seen them pretty much as a consensus top-five team in all the rankings yep. that I care about, which would be, you know, D1 Baseball, Baseball America, and College Baseball Nation. You like the USA Today, but whatever. Uh, Texas Tech has become a really, really good baseball program, period. But this year feels a little bit different. I know they had the 0-3 start, and those are three teams that are really good. But it's the start of the season, you know, you, you don't want to take too much away from it. And and I kind of feel like this is one of those years where Texas Tech is always really good. I pe- I kind of pegged them as an Omaha team. But this feels like a year where Texas Tech could legitimately go and play to Omaha and play for a national championship. Am I am I reading too much into this 19 and one run they've been on, or does it feel like they're finally getting going and we're seeing a Texas Tech team that really could, if they were to face those Arkansas, and Mississippi State, and Ole Miss, would would put up better performances now than they did back in the beginning of the season? No, I I don't think you're far off, and and it's not homerism. Um, you know, probably the biggest gut punch for you know just the Red Raiders in general across all sports last year was the loss of the baseball season to COVID uh, because there was a lot of conversation nationally that last year was certainly a team that could have been in that position uh, to finally play on, you know, the last three days, two or three days of, uh, of the college world series. And I completely agree with you. You've got a lot of veteran guys back. You've got some young guys that have stepped up in big ways. You've got transfers like Patrick Monteverdi that have been setting the world on fire in the starting rotation. And yeah, I think that, you're certainly a team that you're seeing them get better and better and better. They haven't played only nobodies on that 19 and one run. I've been a, a fair mix of, of lower level teams and then solid quality opponents like Oklahoma state. And I, I think that what Tim Tadlock's done since he came to Texas tech as an assistant and then took over as the head coach, what he's done since then, it's been four college world series trips in six tries. Uh, if you exclude 2020 there and, it's been a, a steady progression at the series, better and better, and in, in reaching into the final four teams in uh, 2019 in their last trip. But yeah, I think that they have reached a point where they no longer retool this team. They never have to, uh, re- I mean, it's just a reload all the time. Rogers says it's a plug and chug is what he calls it. And so it's, it's something that's really been pretty impressive to see. Uh, the recruiting has been incredible. And and yeah, I think that this team is like many teams and even teams that didn't go to Omaha, like 2017, the level of talent is exceptional and the quality of guys they bring in that really fit the character of the program and uh, end up just playing their butts off for Tim Tadlock. And I mean, it's fun to watch and I'm certainly enjoying seeing what the ride's going to look like here, because I do agree with you. You play those first three games over again. And I think that the outcome is a little bit different against some really competitive teams. Yeah, look, uh, there's, there's, you don't feel bad losing to Arkansas. Um, it's all I'm going to say. Uh, Arkansas. Yeah. Can I just say that as, as a person who enjoys college baseball, the fact that we may have to wait until the SEC championship or tournament to get Arkansas versus Vandy 
both makes it really exciting and also is a little bit disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is a big 12 show. This is a big 12. Show. Yeah. There's a bunch of good um, ones out there. That's for sure. And mm-hmm. you know, the big 12 didn't fare well that weekend at all. TCU is yeah. the only one that got the only big 12 win. And I, I, I don't want to make excuses for any of them, but you have to factor in what the week had been across Texas uh, the week before. And Lubbock was not as hard hit from a power standpoint during what, what I've started calling Snowvid, but it was, uh, it, it was certainly, you know, hammered in for, for a solid week, you know, with, with snow and all the other things that went and the extreme cold that went along with it. So, um, that had to play some effect, you know, plain and simple, not to make excuses, but I think that was just a part of it. And I mean, to me, you know, I'm a college baseball fan. What do Southern teams do? They open their season against Northern teams. You know, it's a four-game stand against Maine. You don't normally go to a major league ballpark and play three of the best teams in the country back-to-back-to-back. So it was a little bit different look. Yeah, yeah no. I, again, it was disappointing for the Big 12 to have one win right. in, in that whole weekend. Um, there were some close opportunities. Obviously, Texas Tech losing just a single-run game to Ole Miss. You know, you – they were in that game with Arkansas until Arkansas kind of pulled away. You just, it's disappointing not to get the wins, but it's, you know, with baseball, it's not like they're wins that hurt you, you know, or losses right. that, that, that hurt you here. And, and obviously, as, we, as you mentioned, it's not like they've played a bunch of schlubs. Uh, Gonzaga is good. UConn is a solid program. Yes. They, they won two of three against Oklahoma State. They're, they've got some solid wins in this 19-1. And it's not like they're you know, squeaking by everybody. I mean, you're, you've got some close ones, you know. Those games against UConn could be close, but you you're blowing out the teams that aren't good, um, and I think that's the thing where you're winning the close games against good opponents, and you're blowing out and not blowing games against the bad ones. You know, you're, you're run ruling Texas Southern in a game. You're you're curb stomping Houston Baptist eighteen to three and eleven to two. Like I, I do think that says something about the program when it's. Yes, we're going to have some close games, but we're winning them, and they're against good competition. But when we play the bad ones, we're not having an well, oopsie, whatever. You're just you're just beating them solidly and and handily. Yeah, that's true. And I would also say they've built a lot of character in those close games. And uh, yeah, it was kind of back to Texas Southern where you had this, you know, these comfortable games. You had Houston Baptist before that, and then from from then until USF came to Lubbock last weekend. It was just close game after close game. And even the ones that did end up with a little wider margin, there was a 10-3 win over UConn, but it was close going into the late innings. And going to Houston, there were close games going into late innings before maybe you blew it open a little bit. And so we started joking a little bit about our hearts. I mean, it just kind of got to the point where you're like, I can't take any more of these you know, drug out games. But what you're seeing a ton of is lots of pitchers getting work. And you had a huge pitching class come in this year. And so there's lots and lots of freshmen in there that have been getting what I think will be really valuable work later on. And you're right. I mean, you're playing teams that will bear out to be solid teams. Gonzaga will be one of them. Uh, And definitely UConn, who's picked to win the Big East. They have one of the co-players of the year on their team as well. So uh, I I have been excited to see what they did. And Gonzaga left Lubbock. It was two, five, four wins on a Tuesday, Wednesday. They went to Fort Worth and took a series from TCU, including an extra innings win. So uh, definitely not a a slouch of a team at all as they kind of made their way through Texas and struggled in Lubbock, but then, you know, won in in Fort Worth. So 
I think that they're testing themselves. Tim Tadlock, that is definitely his mantra. He said at one point before the season, you know, we don't need planes or any of the fancy stuff. Just give us a sack lunch and a bus and we'll go play baseball. And so he has a lot of those kind of sayings that pop up over the years, but they have certainly shown that they're willing to play anyone, anywhere. And I'm excited to see this weekend because they may be facing one of their most interesting pitching matchups and it's hard for me to even think about the first weekend of the season because it's opening weekend following an unprecedented year and, and also an unprecedented week. And so now getting to go to K-State and face Jordan Wicks on Thursday night, and uh, I'm really interested to see kind of what comes out of that series and, one, how the Red Raiders look, but also just how K-State looks too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we mentioned pitching, so let's, let's kind of start there. Sure. Obviously – Patrick Monteverde having a, a fantastic season. Second in the Big 12 in ERA and .75, which is ridiculous. In 36 uh, he's innings. He's not the – yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's, this isn't something where it's like, oh, he's pitched, you know, four innings and congrats. No, no, yeah. no. He's, he's really, really dang good. Really, really dang good. Um, but he's not the only arm they have. Uh, Mason Montgomery's been pretty good, uh, as well as Brandon Birdsell. I think the hitting is the strength of this team, but I, but since we mentioned pitching, I want to start there. Where do you see potentially the weaknesses with Texas Tech? Obviously, we, we, it's been hard to find them thus far, um, but it, where are the real strengths and weaknesses with this with this pitching uh, staff? When you're looking at pitching, um, Monteverdi, obviously the strength, I mean, 36 innings pitched, as you said, his whip is a .67. He's, he's like a 39-3 to strikeout-to-walk ratio. I mean, it's bananas. His... His batting average against is 171 right now. And he's not a velo guy. I mean, he's just mixing pitches and getting ahead in counts. He is, as Coach Tadlock said about um, about Parker Scott from Oklahoma State, he's a cool cat. I mean, he is just – he's kind of unflappable out there. Um, the first time I saw him crack a smile or show much emotion at all, a bunch of our fans printed their own version of terrible towels and busted those out at the ballpark on Saturday because he's from Pittsburgh. And so he was pumped to see a little Steeler nation in Lubbock and, uh, you know, focused at him, but yeah, it, it's been impressive for a guy that started in D three, went to D two and then got 42 division one offers when he entered the transfer portal and, and came to Lubbock and he is just lighting it up, uh, to not be a major velo guy. He's just, you know, missing bats. Um, I would say that your number two is your Friday guy right now, Brandon Birdsell, and he was at A&M and then went to San Jack and, um, came on to tech and he's been a solid Friday guy was better and better through the season. And then I, I hate to say it's a weakness. Mason Montgomery kind of third in that rotation. He's your Sunday guy and he's growing as he goes a little bit. And he's a young, the youngest of those three um, and the only lefty out of the three as well. Um, when I look at strengths, I mean, having a guy like Micah Dallas coming out of your bullpen is exceptional. He was in your rotation two years ago. He was uh, one of the best in the country out of the bullpen last year. Right now he's at more than 20 innings pitch. He's got a 174 ERA. He's got a 24 to six strikeout to walk. And so he's a guy that very easily could be in your starting rotation. And so that's a weapon coming out of the bullpen uh, for the Red Raiders. And then just it's become a calling card of Texas Tech baseball. It's just power arm after power arm after power arm. Ryan Sublet will come in and drop 98-99 on you. Um, and then there's guys like Hade Key. Connor Queen had three saves in nine pitches over three games. I mean, <laughs> the guy that comes 
out. He's, he's the only one of the only seniors on the team and is exceptional. Levi Wells is another one. I mean, there's just a ton of these really young guys that come out. They bring a ton of velo. They are getting experience. And um, I mean, they can just roll pitchers out at you all day long and still have more tomorrow. So I think that has been an impressive thing to see and uh, not really so unusual from normal years. So it's not just the COVID roster with a bunch of extra dudes. That's just kind of become tech baseball to have a really deep bullpen and lots of power, you know, scattered throughout there. So let's, let's talk hitting Texas tech has three of the top five hitters. If you want to go by batting average mm-hmm. in big 12, uh, drew break Baker is, is the top of that list, but I want to talk about the guy. I think if you follow big 12 baseball, if you follow Texas tech at all, I'm going to pronounce his last name wrong. I always do. It's young. Jay Sheldon. Yep, Jay Sheldon. Young. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Okay, it's J-U-N-G, so forgive me if you're like, how could you not pronounce? Just roll with me. Uh, <laughs> one of our wait. one of our student reporters from the, the campus newspaper still says Jung. Even asking him, asking our coach <laughs> questions about him still, and nobody has the heart to, uh, to correct him, so. Poor, poor. Yeah. <laughs> poor. Uh, you know, we all have to learn something. That's right. Uh, look, I, I remember – my OSU podcast co-host is a big baseball guy talking about him last year. Uh, he's been he's been incredibly, incredibly impressive and just continues to be. I, I, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. The hitting is the strength of this Texas Tech team. The offense is the strength. And, and they've got a bunch of guys that are really, really hard to get out. Yeah, I w- I'll give you a little bit of that. Um it's also become a calling card of this team to be offensively powerful. And and I would say there's been some surprises stepping up this year. And usually one through nine tech is going to have a guy that you don't want to have to throw pitches to because he can turn them around on you in a lot of different ways. Um, or they're going to make you throw strikes and, and lead in walks. Uh, but I will say, and not to get off of hitting, but tech's also leading the country in double plays turned right now. And so defensively, they're a pretty, exceptional squad too. not they had a little struggle they had some struggles in early games so they're not leading in fielding percentage but I think that you can see some circus stuff going on out there defensively but yeah as far as as far as batting Jace Young has been excellent he's second in the big 12 tied for second in the big 12 with eight home runs right now uh, he's trailing a guy at K-State and so we'll see how that plays out this weekend if he can take that lead back on their turf mm. he's batting 388 I mean He's got 31 RBIs right now, which is leading the team, and he's slugging a 741. So, and then you add on to all of that, he's tied for a lead on the team with 20 walks too. So, I think that when you go up and down that lineup, you see a lot of unselfishness, guys willing to do whatever it takes. Drew Baker started off in the leadoff this season, and he's back-to-back Big 12 Player of the Week now. And as you said, he's he's one of the top in the country. He's got 42 hits on the season. Um, he's his on base percentage is a 518. He's leading the team in batting average with a 442. And that's no surprise to us because as we watch series after series, the guy's batting 500 this series, 540. You know, I mean, it's crazy how much he's on base. And so then he is moved into the three hole. Dylan Noisy is slumping a little bit. They push him up into the leadoff. That starts to pick him back up. And Baker's like, yeah, whatever. Put me wherever you want me. Put me in the nine. I don't care i know that they want me to be the same guy and that's what i'm going to do so um and then probably a surprise there to turn around and talk about too is braxton fulford the catcher he's a local product from lubbock um fulford's on the buster posey watch list this year there's 69 guys on the watch list so 
you know, plenty of other talent there. Uh, but now he turns around and has had two two home run days uh, this year so far. He's got six dingers on the season for a catcher. He's slugging 683. And so uh, that's a lot of fun to watch, too, a guy that can turn some stuff around. And we asked Tim Tadlock, are you surprised? He said no, because we went to a double-A ballpark, and I watched him turn around a fastball with a wood bat. You know, So um, it's just fun to see these guys kind of start to develop into what they know they can be. And, uh, and what the coaches have seen them do, you know, start to put that together in games. And, yeah, up and down the lineup, Cal Conley, uh, Noisy has started to come back on. And then Noisy, a guy that has a brother in the pros right now, Jace Young, brother Josh, will probably have a major league debut for the Rangers this season. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just uh, – it's deadly. I mean, top to bottom. And Dylan Carter, who was a freshman last year and had been out with a shoulder surgery – enters back on Friday, his first series back, he turns around the first pitch he sees and knocks it over the wall. So <laughs> that's another, I mean, all of a sudden there's another guy to worry about. And they put in a freshman in Drew Woodcox at first base this weekend. And he has a two home run inning against USF on Friday night as well. So <laughs> it was something. Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Uh, yeah. You mentioned Texas tech heading to, uh, to Manhattan for Kansas, uh, three game series with Kansas state this weekend. Uh, just the second Big 12 series, as we mentioned there already, the open Big 12 play against Oklahoma State, and they played South Florida this last weekend. Um, thoughts on Kansas State? I mean, they're, they're, they've they played just one series so far. They're 0-3 after a, a getting swept by Oklahoma State this last weekend. Um, any thoughts on, on this weekend series? Um, yeah, swept by Oklahoma State, as you said, and uh, certainly no shame in that. They're an exceptional team. They're one of the uh, lower hitting teams in the Big 12, and so I'm curious to see what they do with Tech pitching. Um, I'm very curious to see what Jordan Wicks does. He's their Friday night starter, you know, one of the best pitchers in the country by all accounts, but I'm curious to see as they get into Big 12 play what that looks like. I mean, he still will strike out 11, but maybe they can't get the run support to to do what he needs to do, and so – I'm curious just as a team, um, you know, where they're at. And it's a Thursday through Saturday because of the Easter weekend. So I'm curious how that goes too. But Tech's had a 12-game homestand, and they actually haven't played a true road game. They've been to um, Minute Maid – or they went to Minute Maid Park for the Shriners. They went to Globe Life Field for that opening series, that State Farm College Classic. So really their first true road series. And they've struggled in the past a little bit at K-State. Sometimes that's with the cold this season. This weekend shouldn't be too bad from that standpoint, but um, Wicks is really the most interesting. And then Kakaska, who's leading the Big 12 in home runs. I'm curious to see him as well. But a team that's got a few nice pieces, but you know, overall not expecting a, a huge jump out of K-State this year. And so I'm not saying that there, there's certainly no guarantees what happens, especially in baseball, but you'd love to take the opportunity to get the sweep. Those wins can be really, really important when you're looking towards potential Big 12 championships. So looking at the Big 12 as a whole, it's still early. Now, only Baylor, OSU, and Texas have played two full series in conference play. Everyone else has played one. We're going to get more or see more from all the teams this weekend. It's COVID. Weather to start weird weather to start the season, as you mentioned, Snowvid. Um, so it's it's I think teams are still kind of getting used to things. You know, COVID wrecked what would normally have been a, a, a normal off season for college baseball as well, which yep. is, you know, as, as I have heard, is been hard on, on on pitchers because they didn't have as much opportunity to to play in the off season heading into here. So they're all kind of getting rewarmed back up. But looking at the conference as of now, 
when it feels like the teams we thought would be the best teams in the conference, TCU, Texas, Texas Tech, and OSU, still feel like the best teams in the conference thus far. Is that what it feels like to you? And of those, I mean, I, I think Texas Tech feels like they have the leg up here in winning the Big 12 again. They've already beaten OSU in that series, but do you see another team that you believe really will challenge Texas Tech for the Big 12 record of the season? Um, the win, the two and one record over Oklahoma State is big, and that's uh, become a bit of a rivalry series. They were the last mm-hmm. Big 12 team to be in Lubbock, uh, and that was in the 2019 Super Regional. Um, so that was a little bit crazy, and uh, that was a big one to open with. They're extremely competitive. Um, TCU, I think, is better than I thought they would be, but I'm, I'm curious to see them as well and, and how the conference bears out. And I think Texas has struggled a little more than I thought they would. I thought the pitching would be a little stronger. But like you said, everybody's been absolutely pounded uh, by COVID. If there's anybody that surprised me, I thought Oklahoma would look a little better than they have this year, although they did lose their rotation to the draft, basically. Um, but I did think that that they would uh, – you know, reload a little bit better than they appear to have at least so far. But um, I feel like, and I, you know, I know I'm the ultimate homer, but I feel like tech is probably in that catbird seat, but um, they're going to have to take care of business, you know, down the road. And, and Texas is always a tough out for Texas tech. It's just a, it's just a rivalry mental kind of thing. Now baseball has been a little more successful, but um, I, I think that between Texas and TCU, those will be the two, deciding factors for the red Raiders if they can get another big 12 championship under their belt but um, top to bottom I think you're still going to find the big 12 is one of the top RPI conferences in the country when it's all said and done maybe even as high as I almost say number two but the ACC is ridiculous this year so it may be number three yeah SEC and ACC and big 12 are all pretty good and and look RPI is weird this year I mean and I know it's still early but Folks, Fairfield's played four games and they're number one in the RPI. Yeah, well, and and like, the Big Ten's not playing, not playing non-conference games, right? Right. So, which I, I the D the D one yeah. guys had an interesting conversation about like automatic bids based on an average of the last five years worth of bids, trying to balance that out. Mm-hmm. I have heard through the grapevine. I will say the committee has had straightforward conversations among themselves that the RPI will not factor as heavily as it has in the past because it's a little bit skewed this year. So I think you're going to look a lot more at, at resume um, and strength of schedule and some of that kind of stuff. So, um, and, and try to try to parse out, you know, with everybody doing something different, who should be where they are, but anybody in a power conference, I think should be fairly confident in where they are as long as they're playing teams with a pulse. So yeah, if you can get any non-conference games of note and then finish preferably above 500 in Big 12 play, I think you have a pretty good shot at, at making the postseason. Um, I mean, we've, we've typically seen in the Big 12, typically about half the com- half of the nine teams get in. I say half of the nine. <laughs> four, and a half. four to five teams usually get in. We see four is pretty consistent. Five would be good. Now, it's been a while since we've really seen more than that, and I think it's going to be interesting. You know, I feel good about TCU, OSU, Texas, and Texas Tech. I feel really good about all of mm-hmm. them, and I think the Big 12 will have for sure two regional hosts, maybe three. Um, I think Texas Tech is going to, and then I think of that TCU, OSU, Texas, it depends on the who finishes where in conference play. I think the top three in the Big 12 will probably all host. One of them might be one of the you know the 15 or the 16 seed, but whatever. Sure. I think all four of those are comfortable. It's who else is it? Is it is it Oklahoma? Do they get things kind of 
going a little bit better. They're one and two to start conference play, but you know they played Texas, so that's not terrible. And then getting a win over Texas was nice. They got that win over Arkansas, which isn't a bad one to have. Can can West Virginia kind of get rolling? Can Kansas get rolling? I I I think Baylor and Kansas State are. I I don't feel good about either one. I I, I don't. I, I think they're kind of out of the running here. With um, Baylor being one five in the conference right now, I would agree that that's a long road to come back yeah. from at this point already. Yeah, I mean, look, Kansas State's zero and three. They got to play Texas Tech another at home. I, I feel pretty good about Texas Tech winning that series. That would be another one and five star for Kansas State if that goes that way. So I think those are both out. I really think it comes down to West Virginia, Kansas, Oklahoma. Can one or two of those finish either above five hundred or right there, right below five hundred, and, and have enough out of conference to help them make the postseason? Right. No, I agree with you. And 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 you mentioned pitching and and the. Um, the attrition that's gone on and losing all of these guys and, and the Red Raiders have lost their share, including who probably would have been their Friday night starter and Hunter Dobbins, who who had to get a, a Tommy John surgery as well. But I, I think that West Virginia was probably the most impacted by that. And, and you hope that you don't see any more of them at this point, although they're still popping up around the country. And so it's just hard to watch, you know, and, and it's because of, I mean, flat out, it's is a COVID not getting to play summer ball and not having a normal falls and things of that nature. But yeah, I agree with you. Those, those three are kind of in the middle and, and maybe on the bubble. If, if you want to say that this early, um, I would certainly peg Texas tech for a national seed. And I think one of those others are, are very much uh, potential. And I think all three of those TCU, Oklahoma state and Texas could all be potential Omaha teams. And I, I say Texas, I know they had a big win against South Carolina uh, at, at dish Falk, you know, but my mm-hmm. question is, do they continue with that role or are they going to get on a roller coaster, you know, because they have had a little bit tougher start? Yeah, I, I'll i be really curious to see how they just continue to follow how they play as the season goes on. I feel more confident in TCU, OSU, and Texas Tech than I do in Texas at this point as far as who I think are the better teams in conference play. We'll see um, how that rolls out. I, I will be interested to see. You know, Texas Tech gets TCU at home, but they do have to travel to Austin for Texas. Um, they also travel to West Virginia and Oklahoma, which could be, you know, it, as you mentioned, Texas Tech on the road. Everyone's better at home. Like, shocking. Um, <laughs> but those are three. Those, you know, Texas is going to be tough. And I think West Virginia and Oklahoma are interesting series, especially later in the season, if those are two teams that are looking for big opportunities to try and strengthen their resume for, for a postseason bid. Absolutely. And and the last time the Red Raiders went to Austin, it was a, a record attendance weekend at Dish Falk Field. And so it was um, it, it was the biggest, I mean, truly the biggest combined weekend they had. And I think one of those days was their biggest attendance day in the history of the ballpark. So, um, I mean, you're talking, you know, when you get to SEC crowds in a big 12 baseball game, you know, that's, that's some pretty big stuff and, and a big atmosphere and, uh, Tech struggled the last time they were down there. I think they went one for two, if I remember right. That was Caleb Killian was on the mound for one of those. And so, yeah, it's um, I mean, that's why we do it. It's certainly fun, you know, and and you want it to be competitive. I mean, that's what makes it all enjoyable and worth something when you achieve something at the end. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I'll tell you, Oklahoma State, not the biggest offensive team that anybody's going to face. Uh, but man, they are an excellent baseball team and they were a lot of fun to watch in Lubbock. And to be honest, the Red Raiders, I don't want to say they were lucky, but they were fortunate to come out with the series win because they were some really hard fought games. Yeah. As an OSU fan, 
felt a little bit too much like the uh, the Super Regional Series back in 2019 of close but no cigar. Yeah. So yes, a rivalry that has uh, that has become. Uh, Keith, appreciate you joining the show today again. For everybody, Dinger Derby podcast, go look it up. If you are a Texas Tech fan, uh, if you just want to learn more about Texas Tech baseball, it is a fantastic show. It's it's they're typically pretty short. I appreciated that. Um, <laughs> if I have Mike and if I have Mike and Gus on, we can uh, it can get pretty pretty ridiculous, but we keep it limited. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I try to do normally I do a couple a week. I'll do a recap and a preview, but without the midweeks right now, it's it's generally about one a week. You know, just kind of recapping a weekend and looking ahead to the next. But uh, it's a lot of fun. I appreciate it, and I just want you know people to know and have a chance to enjoy tech baseball as much as I do, and then. Uh, yeah, the website's redraiderdugout.com, and we'll cover every game throughout the season, recaps, look-aheads, you know, features, all that kind of stuff coming through as we go along. So hopefully we'll be announcing, you know, added games as well. The, the program is continuing trying to find midweek games as we go along. They're, they want to have a full schedule as close as they can get. It's awesome. Again, I'm I'm a big fan of of anybody who does um, specialized stuff like focusing on one particular sport at one particular college. Like it's just you get really good you you get really good content from places like that because that means that they care about that thing in particular and they're going to do a really good job covering it. And you guys do. So Thank I, you. it's a pleasure to have you on the show, Keith. Well, I appreciate what you guys do too. I think the Big Twelve is way undercovered and so having you know guys like you out there making sure that the conference is getting its just due and that we all have you know some interesting news as we go along i think that's a lot of fun too but um yeah I, it all kind of takes a village and so and it is nice when you when you focus in on one team one sport i mean you're not really anybody's competitor you just become a source for everybody so <laughs> it's an easy way to make friends <laughs> Very nice, very nice. Keith, appreciate it again, and uh, look forward to having you back on the show again later this season. Thanks, man. Looking forward to it. I'd love anybody to follow us, too. Social media, at Red Raider Dugout. Uh, I'm at Keith B. Patrick. My partner, Randy's at Randy Rosetta. So, uh, yeah, keep up with us, and, and we'll do everything we can to bring you reasonably unbiased news about Texas Tech baseball. <laughs> March is here, and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with my bookie select the winners from 63 tournament games in the my bookie bracket contest for a chance at ten thousand dollars in cash prizes and it's only a dollar to enter that's one dollar doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets betting the national championship winner or simply looking for players and game props my bookie has you covered sign up today at mybookie.ag use promo code 1012 ten one two to secure a deposit bonus up to one thousand dollars that's promo code 1012 to claim your first deposit bonus. College ball, NBA, and NHL. No matter the sport, no matter the minute, from tip-off to buzzer, MyBookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. So visit MyBookie.ag today with promo code 1012. There's just three games left in the NCAA tournament. Two Final Four games this Saturday, and of course, the National Championship game on Monday. And of course, we've been doing it all the way up to this point. We're not going to stop now, especially with Baylor still in play. We're talking betting with our good friend Daniel Alexander of Grinders with Blinders. Daniel, welcome back, sir. It's great to be here. What a fun tournament this has been. And Sweet 16 was great. Elite 8, love how that unfolded. It's great to have Baylor still in the mix here for the podcast. It's 
you know, we thought this would be a wild one. And I will admit, uh, I got convinced into buying into Illinois, and I'm not sure why, when deep down, <laughs> we've known all along from the beginning of the season, it was Gonzaga and Baylor and everybody else. And here we sit, Gonzaga and Baylor and an 11 seed UCLA and a two seed Houston. Uh, apparently, this has been the most upsets in tournament history. And an upset by the NCAA rules is not just a lower seed over an over, uh, a lower seed winning. It is a, a, a seed difference of five or more pulling off the wins. Mm. So think about that for a second. 14 of them. The, the record before then had been done twice was 13. 14 true upsets. That means a team seated five spots lower than the team they beat won 14 times in this NCAA tournament. Um, that's crazy. That is, this is just, and yet, we get two ones, a two, and 11, and we feel pretty good about who's going to be in the national championship game. It's the two teams we've been waiting to see play all season long. And, and of course, we'll get to that in a minute. So let's, let's hit these games up. The first game on the slate, uh, Baylor versus Houston. Uh, obviously, Baylor is the favorite in this one at this point. Uh, they are a five-point favorite over under set at 134 and a half. Um, I mean, uh, Houston's played well. Calvin Sampson is a really good coach. There's no argument here. If there is a, of the two teams we think making the championship game, Houston is a much stronger pick than, than UCLA is. But I still feel pretty comfortable picking Baylor minus five in this. I'm curious, Daniel, what, what are your thoughts on this first matchup? Uh, there's a couple of interesting things going on, some interesting sort of storylines, narratives unfolding. Uh, let's see, I'm going to be somewhere uh, between Caesars, Cromwell, uh, enjoying this Final Four. I'm popping into Vegas for 30 hours just to just to soak it in and enjoy it. But uh, this Baylor-Houston matchup is interesting. Baylor, people aren't really talking about it. They, they've quietly covered, I think, four games in every game of the tournament. I think they're 4-0 against the spread in the tournament. Um, what's also telling to me here is this line opened at five at Circa, and it's still pretty much a consensus five across the entire market. So uh, that tells me no one saw a lot of value right away with Houston at that five. You know, we still got a few days for some groups to make a move, but uh, we were, you know, across online sports book, we've tracked almost 10,000 bets. Houston's getting 65 to 70% of the spread tickets, and that line hasn't moved an inch. That's telling me something. We've got Baylor, an against-the-spread machine right now through this tournament, and the line didn't move off five when it opened, and nobody's backing them. I feel like we might see some really late Baylor moves. It just feels like a sharp group's going to step in and just take Baylor, bump it up to five and a half or six. I'm personally going to be playing Baylor uh, this weekend against the spread, and I'm curious to see what happens. A, a, a side note, I'm not – have a play on the total. Uh, a big group came in, actually hit the first half under pretty hard this morning. That line dropped about two points, and we saw the full game tick down about uh, uh, just half a point. So, you know, this is going to be a dogfight at a five-point spread. We're looking at sort of like a, you know, 70 to 65 kind of affair, 68-62 Baylor victory. You know, I know it's chalky. And I know in our personal tournament, I've got Houston going to this thing, but I think Baylor wins. I think Baylor covers. 
Yeah, a couple of interesting facts on on Houston here. Uh, props to them for getting here. You know, you you can't you have no ability to control the teams that you're going to face. But Houston becomes the first team to ever make the Final Four without playing a single team who's a single digit seed. Every team they have played has been a double digit seed. It's the first time wow. anyone's ever played four straight double digit seed teams to make it to the Final Four. Uh, and one other note on Houston. And look, they're a good team. They're well coached. There's there's talent there. They played one Ken Palm top 35 team all season. That includes here in the NCAA tournament. That's Texas Tech back in November. So I I feel comfortable with Baylor minus five. I think you do as well. That is some knowledge. That's a great knowledge drop right there. I, I try and retain as much random stuff as I can that I hear and that I look and that I find. Uh, sometimes I do a good job and sometimes my two-year-old interrupts me and it, it's lost to the ether forever. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it's, it's like Houston two. Here, here they are in the final four. They're only a five point dog, but you know, now that you say that it's like they survived Rutgers, mm-hmm. right? They didn't like, they didn't like put Rutgers away. Oregon state had that backdoor cover and sure. Oregon state never felt like they were going to re- challenge for the game but it's like houston never put them away you know it's this scrappy 12 scene it's not like houston ever came out and blew the doors off them they ran out uh, you know gosh now that you're saying it 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 feels even more like oh man this is this is baylor by eight nine ten you know and this that that five feels short and the fact that it wasn't hit and everyone's taking it it's starting to feel really short yep i mean look they were they're an eight point favorite over Oregon State, they won by six. They were a six and a half point favorite over Syracuse. They won by six. They were a seven and a half point favorite over Rutgers. They only won by three. Uh, they covered against Cleveland State. You know, they they, they did that. But uh, I mean, come on, you can't. Say it's hard to it's hard to be in the Final Four as a two seed and pound your chest over you know taking care of Cleveland State. So I, I think <laughs> I look again. Houston's well coached. Uh, I. I think they'll put a they'll they'll have a good performance, but I just I feel comfortable Baylor winning this by I don't think Baylor's gonna blow out Houston by by many means. But I think an, an an eight to nine point line would make more sense to me, but I i I get it. Um okay, Gonzaga and UCLA. Gonzaga currently a fourteen point favorite over UCLA. Uh with an over under set at one forty five and a half. I mean that's a big line. And I'm still really and look. UCLA has been playing well. They've been well coached, and yet I'm still really tempted to take it because I'm pretty sure up to this point Gonzaga has covered every line that's been thrown at them. Uh, they were favored by 33 against Norfolk State. They want they covered that. They were favored by 15 and a half against Oklahoma. Uh, they covered that. They were favored by 12 and a half over Creighton. They covered that. They were favored by eight and a half over USC. They handily covered that. I just, this is a great run for UCLA. 14 still doesn't scare me off. I think I'm going to ride with, with a Gonzaga minus 14. Uh, it's it, it's hard to disagree with you. Uh, it's also, that's just such a, mentally that's such a large number, mm-hmm. right, to mm-hmm. picture. It's like, man, you know, it's like, there's got to be a back door open at 14 or there's some books are even hanging 14 and a halfs now. It's like, crap is this thing going to be 15 15 and a half come saturday night uh 
you know, you know, repeating what you just said, Gonzaga just blown the doors off everybody. Uh, UCLA has played well. They've also been playing above average for them. They've been playing, you know, above sort of their expected value for games for the past few games. Uh, they drew a bit, you know, they knocked out that last big 10 team that everyone's been down on the big 10. This is a little bit of a harder game for me to cap. Smart people came in right away and bet 13. I think a few offshores opened this right away at 13. Uh, that those 13s were gone. 13 and a half were gone almost immediately. By the time everyone opened, it was 14s. And now we're seeing 14 and a half. So it's like, hey, the respected money is, is back in Gonzaga at this point. I'm personally probably going to lay off. Um, obviously, I think Gonzaga wins the game. I don't, you know, not too many people are wondering if they're going to win or not. They probably have like a, a 94 percentile chance or something like that to win 96 percentile chance. But um, again, it's just going to be hard to take a team in the final four and ask them to go cover 15, 16 points, especially when we're looking at a total that's in the mid one forties. So, yeah. Again, if, if you're, if you're going to go along with some smart money, go along with Gonzaga. Otherwise, Stay away. Maybe just stay away. Yeah. Stay away. You don't have to bet all these games, folks. We're just we're just telling you our thoughts on, on the lines that have been. Yeah, presented. a little market check in, tell you, you know, where the lines have moved and sort of who's going where and you know, good luck with your own bets. I mean, unless you're just a degenerate, which you know what? I, I got hey. other places you can put money in, it's called my wallet. Um <laughs> Circa has released the the lines that we would see the opening lines for each potential national championship game matchup that'll come on Monday. Um, I, I'm going to ignore UCLA, well, UCLA Houston, the least likely of all of these. Houston would be a three and a half point favorite. Uh, UCLA Baylor, Baylor would be an eight point favorite. Um, let's, let's talk about the two that I think are more likely to happen. As I said, if an upset is going to occur, Houston over Baylor seems more likely. If that were to happen and they were to face Gonzaga, Gonzaga would be a 10-point favorite over mm. Houston, which is it's just interesting. So I, I'm, I'm curious from this standpoint. Um, so Gonzaga would be a 10-point favorite over Houston. Um, Baylor is currently a 5-point favorite over Houston. So you would think that if you did some math there, Gonzaga would be about a five-point favorite over Baylor in the national championship game, and that's what they have is Gonzaga minus five and a half with an over-under of 160 and a half, which seems really high. Um, now these, maybe. Every other, none of the other ones even get close. Gonzaga-Houston is 143 and a half. Let's just focus on Baylor-Gonzaga because I think that's what we're going to have happen. That's felt like it's it's inevitable, you know, to quote Thanos. Uh, that feels like what's about to happen is Gonzaga Baylor, which I'm fine with. This is the game we were supposed to get in the non-conference. It got canceled, and ever since then, it's, it's kind of been like, all right, we'll just let's get to the end of this end of the line and, and, and get this matchup. Gonzaga Baylor five and a half. If that's the one we have, then you know the line right now. Where are you leaning? I feel like Gonzaga would be bet immediately. I I, I, I have five and a half. I mean, come on. Uh, we, we have to go check, but. Is that going to be one of the shortest line the Zags have had all year? Uh, and look, I think Baylor's an okay team, but five and a half points, that's it. And, and here in a 160, 160 and a half, I feel like that would be bet down immediately. That almost seems unbelievable. 160, I feel like that would be like a 155, 154 and a half, something like that. But uh, 
I'm telling you right now, if that's where it opens five and a half, one I'll probably hit, you know, both openers as quickly as I can. No disrespect to Baylor in any way whatsoever. Simply just feels like a short line with this team. I mean, that's, you flip a switch and it's like, Oh, Gonzaga won by nine Gonzaga won by 11. You know, Baylor can make zero mistakes just being a five point dog against Gonzaga. Uh, so looking back at using the action network app, which is what we use to track all of, of Daniel, you can find all of his picks on there. You can find mine as well. Uh, going back to the numbers that they have through Gonzaga schedule, they were a four point favorite over Kansas. They covered that one by winning by 12. Uh, they were eight and a half point favorite over West Virginia. I think that's the only time they haven't covered all season. Uh, they have the line for when the two were supposed to play originally. And Gonzaga was a three point favorite. Mm. Uh, let's see their game against Iowa. They were a four and a half point favorite. They covered that one pretty you know, by 11. Uh, they were seven. And a Hindsight's half. hindsight is so funny because you hear all these spreads and every, you know, now that we're at this point in the season with four teams left, it's like, man, that line's short that line, like Gonzaga, Kansas, it was four points. Like that mm-hmm. just seems so sitting here right now. It's like, that's crazy. You know, yeah, like that, I mean, first that game of season, be, but yeah. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, of course, right? It's all hindsight. It's like, well, what would it be now? You know, 11 or something, you know, yeah, whatever it might be. But Yeah, this is the closest line. This is the, the shortest line they've had since they faced Virginia back on December 26th. Gonzaga was a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, and they won by uh, 23 in that game. They <laughs> See, haven't had anything you know, else it's like... this close since then. Uh, Gonzaga or USC, they were an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. They – they went by 19. Yeah, that was silly. Um, I could just I mean, like, hey, look, you know, if Baylor is in this dogfight, you know, let's say, you know, Baylor wins by single digits, you know, three, five, seven, something like that. And Gonzaga comes out and just blows the door off the Bruins and wins by 22 points. It's like that five and a half is going to be on the second it hits the board. You know, it's like Baylor dogfight Houston, Gonzaga buzzsaw people. No way. Does there become value then in picking Baylor? Look, I, I, I get it. Gonzaga is really, really good. This is people are talking about. This might be one of like the best college basketball teams we've ever seen. They are really, really good. Like as I understand, if I remember and read Kim Palm properly, like the the distance between Gonzaga at one and Kim Palm and Baylor at two is like the same between Baylor at two and Villanova down at twelve. Like that's how mm-hmm. much better the metrics say Gonzaga is than Baylor. Sure. But Baylor's really good, and and I know Baylor's had some games this in this tournament where they, you know, Villanova had a lead at halftime, and then Baylor did what they've done all season. Ta- set aside them getting back over COVID, you know, the the loss to Kansas, even the game against Oklahoma State. The thing that always was about Baylor is, yeah, they had close games, but once Baylor finally went. Never mind, we're Baylor. Ha ha. And flip that switch. They would just they would just beat teams handily. And look, Arkansas gave them trouble, but I, and I know Gonzaga's really good, and I think Gonzaga is the side to be on. But if you start seeing money come in on Gonzaga and that line starts to move, which I'm I'm not sure it will much, just because I'm I'm not sure Vegas is gonna want it to, at what point does Baylor become valuable to bet on? I mean, what you're posing is the million dollar question, right? I mean, <laughs> what you're posing is the conundrum that betters face every single day, 
right? With, with, with lines moving. I mean, it, it's a great question to ask and people are going to have different answers. Uh, you know, I'm just giving one person's opinion of like, that's just mine. Gonzaga feels short at five or five and a half. Maybe I'm on the wrong side. You know, there's a lot of smart people in this realm that are a lot smarter than me at this stuff. It's like, you know, maybe Baylor's going to be, maybe, maybe that's a great line for Baylor, a five and a half if they get there. Um, you know, some people are going to say, hey, if they opened at five and a half and it's now a seven, yeah, I've got some value. You know, you got to sort of look into how do we get from that five and a half to seven. There's so many variables, but it's like, when does Baylor become valuable? In basketball, you know, seven, seven and a half, eight, you get, you're starting to sort of go through some key numbers there. So maybe somewhere around seven and a half. It's like, okay, I'm curious, seven, maybe something like that. I'd care about Baylor, but you know, this isn't, it's not an apples to apples analogy, but Gonzaga versus anybody this year, whether it's going to be Houston or Baylor, if Gonzaga wins, it's going to feel a lot like, you know, sort of that Alabama Notre Dame championship football game where it was like, you know, Sharps couldn't get enough, even if, you know, Bama was like a nine point favorite or something. They won by 38 points, you know, it's just something silly. I just feel like we're going to, we might get into that realm with Gonzaga this year. Like everyone's going to look back and go five points, six points. What? Gonzaga just won the national championship by 16 points. So, so. Uh, Baylor fans don't, don't you, if you would like to, uh, to tweet at Daniel for saying that, that they're going to lose by 16 <laughs> to Gonzaga, you can find him at Danner B7. <laughs> it's nothing personal just no no, no i get it look it, it is it, like <laughs> no, again they've had one truly close win that was against west virginia when they were at full health and had sheep way back in november um outside of that they they haven't had a double digit or a single digit victory that i think maybe they had a nine point game at most like they've been They've been really good. I know some people still want to be like, but uh, uh, folks, they're really stinking good. And if they win the national championship, there's no asterisk. There's no like, well, blah, 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 blah. No, they're just really good and it's time to acknowledge it. And so is Baylor. My Baylor Big 12 bias might have me put make Baylor as a team to cover. I don't know that I can pick Baylor to win. I think Gonzaga's that good. I think Baylor's really stinking good. I think they have depth. I do think this will be a close game. I think this is a game that comes down to the closing seconds of the game. But, you know, you get to those closing seconds, you start getting free throws and stuff, and suddenly a three-point game becomes a nine-point game because of how all that garbage and timeouts and fouling and gets, gets going. Um I, I would wait. I want to wait and see if this is the matchup we get. If it is, I'm going to let all the money coming out in Gonzaga. If it gets if it gets to six and a half, I will I will I will take Baylor. I think that's all I need. I need that like I need it to get to like six and a half seven, and I feel good about taking Baylor. I do. I think Gonzaga wins. Five feels about right, but so five and a half is too close for me to want to make a bet there. Um, Seven feels comfortable, right? That extra point and a half would make me feel comfortable riding with with Baylor to cover. Daniel, this has been fun. It's been a good breakdown, man. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be enjoying it. I'll be rooting for Baylor Saturday, and oh, yeah. uh, go Zags as well. Yeah, oh, this me. is that's the matchup we deserve. We deserve Baylor Gonzaga. Like we need to see these two teams face off. Baylor's healthy. Gonzaga's healthy. No injuries on Saturday. No. 
No one important getting hurt. Let's have a let's have a good clean good clean fight here, and uh, let's get the the final round we all deserve. Uh, everybody, seriously, go give Daniel a follow at v 7 on Twitter. Of course, if you want advice from him, he posts things on Twitter as well as in the Grinders with Blinders Slack chat. Uh, if you would like to to hop in there and get some advice from him and the other folks in that Slack channel, just go give Daniel a follow on Twitter. Hit him up on the DMs. Um, introduce yourself. He might be willing to to invite you in and, and, and join the uh, join the Grinders and Blinders gang. Podcast Network.